You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Um, let's pray. All right, Lord, uh, I pray for this time. I pray it would be encouraging. I pray that you would free us from our natural propensity to want to control and um, operate out of fear. And instead, Lord, we would operate out of uh, confidence in your goodness, your love, and your sovereignty. And I pray, um, uh, yeah, I just pray that you teach us, give us knowledge and wisdom, that we might uh, love and lead our children well. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is the beginning of a series. Uh, if you're new, this is faith and family class. And uh, this is a class we have every week, uh, particularly during the school year where uh, it just has to do with different things related to um, spiritually investing in your kids. And so uh, this series that we're starting is going to be based on this huge study that has been done. At the the first decade of this century, there was a study called the National Study on Youth and Religion, headed by a scholar who was at Oxford then. He's now um, at Notre Dame. His name is Christian Smith. And it was like a groundbreaking study looking in the spiritual lives of young people. Now, he commissioned a second study um, that integrates some other huge studies, but also they did their own study. Um, and it looks at the, the, the nature of parents spiritually investing in their kids, the impact of parents. And so we're going to, um, you know, the study kind of gives a overview of the landscape of, of kind of like Christian parenting, so to speak. Um, one caveat on the study, they looked, at, they looked at all religions across the board, and so I've tried to kind of extrapolate the general observations, but also what it specifically says about uh, Christian parents. But I want to start off with this massive caveat, okay? Massive caveat, number one is, there is uh, a temptation in this to read this and to feel a tremendous amount of pressure as a parent. And that's not where this is headed, okay? It's actually, it's meant to encourage you. Second caveat is there is, this is, this is my biggest temptation, is to read this and say, I've got the formula. I've got the formula. If I can like call the right plays and work the formula, then my kids are going to turn out perfect, right? And like, you know what, man? We just, we just if that's your mentality, actually the research can tell you that that's going to be counterproductive. <laughs> Um, because your kids can feel your control and your fear, and it doesn't go well. People don't respond to that very well, particularly your children. Um, but so we want to kind of uh, learn from what the study says, but also, um, but also do it with like our hands open, ultimately knowing that God, God is in control of our kids' lives. And so, um, so that's that's a, a, another caveat. And then there's another caveat to feel like ashamed. Like, oh, I'm such a bad parent. I'm doing such a bad job. That's not like, we need to, you know, let, let, let that go. We're all, we're all flawed. We're all trying our hardest very imperfectly. God's grace is much bigger than our imperfections as parents. And so, um, so where we're going to go here is I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview of some of the, some of the things that we can learn about uh, trends in Christian parenting over the last really 40 years, but particularly the last 20 that we're going to focus on. And then we're going to look at some of the, uh, what they found to be like very influential factors in um, instilling 
and encouraging uh, lifelong Christian faith in our kids. And that's where it's pretty, pretty encouraging because what's encouraging is you find that like, you don't have to be a rock star. Like little basic things have a huge impact. Um, and then finally, we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at, did I start this? I did. Uh, we're going to look at parenting style and its influence there. So I have way too much on tap uh, for the 25 minutes we have left, but I can talk really fast. And we're going we're gonna to give it a try. Um, but the next like three or four weeks are going to tease out this. And then the next series is going to be like an eight-week series. It's a long biblical theology on everything the Bible has to say about parenting. Um, so, all right, so just to start it off here. Basically, um, what this study is, has found and other studies, all of them are reinforcing the same thing. And that is that parents um, have, are, have the most influence over their kids than any other source when it comes to their belief system and their faith. Um, more, I'll read the quote. It says, all the research in the United States today shows clearly that parents are by far the most important factor influencing their kids' religion, not only as a youth, but also after they leave home. The, the studies kind of look at like, okay, where were the kids when they left home at 18 and where are they at 29? So it kind of has, has some good longitude on it. Not clergy, religious schools, youth ministers, neighborhoods, Sunday school, mission trips, service projects, summer camps, peers, or the media. Parents, that is who matters here, that, who, that is who matters here and now. Parents define for their children the role the religious faith and practice ought to play in their lives. Whether important or not, most children roughly adopt. Uh, next quote, in most cases, oh, so anyhow, so there's this idea, and I've heard this a lot, you, I, would, I would bet that 75-80% of you believe this, that the influence of parents when your children become like adolescents, it declines. Like you're not as influential anymore. You know, there's this idea of like they kind of go off into orbit and there are all these other outside orbits. It's totally false. There's absolutely no empirical research that validates that. It says here, in most cases, that parents' influence declines in the teen years is a cultural illusion belied by sociological facts. And so, um, so that's really encouraging. And now here's the thing that's tough is that when your kids become teenagers, they act like they don't want to hear anything that you have to say. <laughs> You know, and so this is why I use the term, if, you, if you're a football fan, the term eye discipline, um, because like they, they talk about if you're on defense, you have to have eye discipline because the offense likes to do all kinds of shifts to make you think, oh, I need to wander in this direction when in reality they're going in this direction. And so as a parent, you have to have eye discipline um, to know your, your child is saying, I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me. All these kinds of things. And um, in reality... Uh, you have way more influence over your child than any other factor. Um, okay, so now, the, the, as I've read these two quotes, are you kind of wondering, huh, does this mean that uh, parents don't, that churches and youth ministry and Bible studies and that kind of stuff and camp don't have any influence? No, that's not what the research is saying at all. And we'll get into that a little more later. Um, that's not what it's saying. And we'll, we'll see how the shifts in parenting, shifts in culture have actually um, in a sense, undermined the influence of those institutions and those resources. So, so now, as we've kind of talked about, the big point is, good news is that you, ha you have more influence over your kids than anybody else. Um, and so, uh, I need to be careful how I say this, but I think a, a big fear that a lot of parents have is there, you know, there are these messages that are coming to my kid out there and what's the teacher going to say at school, or so on and so forth, 
and they're going to wreck my child's faith, and my child is, you know, going to become a, a, a communist atheist, and you know, all this kind of stuff. That, that's just the reality is that the outs, those outside sources have very limited influence over your child relative to the influence that you have. So it's one of those things where, like, it's kind of an encouragement for us to just kind of take care of business, you know, just to kind of focus on what we can control. Certainly, you don't want to, like, put your children under the authority of really bad, you know, really bad influences. And at the same time, the incidental things that your kid, you know, gets exposed to along the way have very, very little power relative to the power that you have as a parent. So that's why, you know, it's like, focus focus on our little box of control and um, and that's that's a that's a really good approach all right so some shifts in parenting so what we see is there are a couple of sh major shifts in the way that parents parent their kids in the United States over the last 40 years and so what you see is in the 1970s and the 1980s the approach was very hands-off anybody watch the show stranger things on Netflix you know, there, I heard a, a pastor talking about Stranger Things say there's no way that Stranger Things could occur in like the 2000s or the 2010s because it's like these kids who are totally unsupervised and, you know, they kind of discover wild things and so on and so forth. It's set in the 80s because in the 80s, that was kind of the approach. It was kind of like, I mean, I remember I was, I was a child of the 80s and it was kind of like, hey, mom. The deuces, I'm seven years old, and I just ride my bike around the neighborhood, you know? I mean, I could have been dealing crack for all my parents knew. Um, I mean, I had a good, really good parents and all, but it really was. It was very hands-off. And, um, and so there starts to be a transition in the late 80s and the 90s a little bit, and it really, you see the, the, the fruit of that transition in the 2000s. And for lack of a better term, I use the term helicopter parenting. That kind of has a pejorative connotation to it, um, but, uh, but every, every, I've, I've talked to a number of people about this study that I've read and every time I bring it up, they're like, oh yeah, helicopter parenting. So it seems to be terminology that, that people understand. But basically what you see is a shift where parents take way more ownership over their kids' lives in every facet in this century as compared to the seventies and the eighties. Uh, parents are way more involved. And so the, um, what starts to happen in this century is a big shift then in the way that parents view um, and relate to the church with their kids. And so Christian Smith, he used these terms. These terms, I think, are terrible terms. They don't say anything, um, but I, I've listed them here. So he talks about the, the mentality of really of most of the 20th century was a communal solidarity project. What does that mean, right? I just put church authority versus personal identity project. And so um, I'll read the quote and then kind of explain. But so when he's talking about communal solidarity project, he says, the way people know what is good is through some combination of revelation and received teachings mediated through reason and interpretive commentary. Followers of the faith proceed with a conditional trust in their religious authorities, which are normally presumed to be faithful and reliable unless proven otherwise. So basically, in the 20th century, the mentality was, we go to church. We go to church a lot. We go to youth group a lot. And, um, and we kind of trust those institutions to form our kids uh, spiritually. 
And, um, and so with that being said, there is actually an over-reliance on the church to the neglect of what was happening at home. But that was the mentality. The mentality was, hey, there's the church, there's the youth group, there's the children's ministry, there's the Christian summer camp, and I, I, I'm, that is where my child will be formed because they are going to teach uh, the Bible and the truths of the faith. They are the experts to do that. And um, we're going to, you know, trust our kids to the institutions. So that's kind of the old system. Well, then there's this huge shift to the personal identity project. And so the, the quote that sums that up pretty well, it says, the church's social ontology is not an authoritative carrier of truth, but an optional lifestyle accoutrement. Um, they use the term, it's like the church is kind of an accessory or a resource, and so the shift goes all the way over to the home, goes over to like the private, um, the private and um, you know family sphere, and so um, so it's there's this overreaction, and there are like they listed the factors that contributed to this, and there were this is not an exaggeration. There were 14 different factors. I mean things like you know working parents and lack of leisure time and more um, more working and institutional mistrust and all kinds of things like that. A lot of things. And so here's the thing is that there are some positives and some negatives. Um, the positives um, are, for where we are right now, is that parents are way more engaged with their kids. P- parents are, um, yeah, parents are taking tons of responsibility for their kids' uh, spiritual lives. And, um, and parents are way more eager to be equipped. I, I talked... Um, I remember Mary Flo Ridley who, who came and she talks about the birds and the bees and how to talk to young children about sex. Um, but Mary Flo and I were talking this week and she, she's been equipping parents for like 40 years. Um, she's had this program she's done all over the country. And she said like, it's, un, it's amazing to her to see like how intentional parents today are and how eager they are to be educated and to learn, to be equipped. And she's like, it's so different than it was when I first started doing this. And so it's, it's, it's really, um, it's like a really a, a wonderful trend. Now, um, and then sorry, uh, oh, another positive in this, another positive in this, uh, in this trend is because parents are so engaged um, and parents just, you know, honestly by God's design have more authority and influence over their kids, outside factors that you might be concerned and afraid of actually have a lot less influence today. All right, so now here are some of the negatives. Uh, some of the negatives are is uh, because the church has plays a, a more of a marginal role in the life of, of, of kids' discipleship, um, and it's treated kind of more as like an accessory or a resource, um, s- too much of the pressure falls on the parents. Um, and then a second, an issue you see, some evidence of that is uh, kind of the, the need for the church is that basically what they found is, um, trying to think about how to say this kindly, uh, but the parents, what parents were teaching their kids is not terribly strong relative to the Bible. Basically what I'm saying here is that in the interview, like in the interviews, um, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to be polite. In the interviews, Basically, what they asked parents, they asked parents like some of these big fundamental religious questions. 
And Christian parents in the interview, their answers were essentially the same as like secular and Buddhist and Muslim and Jewish and uh, yeah, of, of basically other religions. There was, there was nothing like distinctly Christian about what the parents were teaching their kids, uh, which is problematic if the parent is now uh, taking ownership as the primary pastor to the child or the exclusive pastor to the child. Um, you know, we, we, Christian truth has tremendous impact on the, you know, on the discipleship outcomes for kids. And so, so that being said, there, there's something that's really hopeful is that, uh, is that, man, there is just so much power in not, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater on either side, um, on parents investing in their kids and uh, parents relying on the church, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, the, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the worship services, things like that. There's incredible power when, when children have both of those, um, both, of, both the home and the church as active, engaged parts of their lives. And so, um, and that's kind of how the Bible uh, designs it. The Bible kind of designs the discipleship of kids as a partnership between parents and children. Um, so, so the, the, um, there is good news in this. Um, there is good news in this. Uh, and the good news is, <laughs> part, there's a lot of good news, but one piece of good news is the research indicates that very impactful parents, they're not like rock stars. Like, I think a lot of times we think that, oh, if I'm going to spiritually invest in my kids' lives, like, I mean, I have to have like a seminary degree and I have to know every answer and I have to know like every book of the Bible and what happens, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of times parents feel uh, so inadequate that they just kind of withdraw from that because they feel so, um, so incapable to do that. Well, in reality, you find that in the, the research indicates that it's just like very modest efforts by parents that are hugely impactful. So, like, C students get into Harvard in this, uh, this kind of deal. Um, probably a bad analogy. Anyhow, so here are four factors that they found to be influential in, um, in discipling kids such that they stick with Christ in the church after high school, uh, and, you know, through their 20s. And what you find is, like, we don't, we don't completely... Research doesn't drive our practice, like scripture drives our practice. But what you find is that the research validates that what scripture prescribes is actually the most effective methodology. It's amazing. You'd almost think God wrote the Bible or something. Um, and so, so the first is Christian practice in the home. And so this is not like you're doing necessarily doing family worship or you're, you know, explicating Obadiah in Hebrew. No, we're talking like things like praying over a meal, uh, praying with your kids before they go to bed. Um, or, you know, we do like the gospel catechism. We drop our kids off at school. That's something you can, uh, you can find on our website or you can find at the Rooted website. Just basic little things like that are massively impactful. Because what it kind of conveys to your kids is, hey, this, this stuff really matters. Like this stuff is important. That's honestly probably the biggest, one of the biggest things we're trying to convey is that like, Jesus matters. Jesus matters in our life. Uh, second is parenting style. That's we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, and then third, church attendance. Like church attendance is 
just going to church regularly has a major influence on kids' lifelong faith. And then fourth, organic conversations about faith. Uh, interesting, it said, the strongest association with parents regularly talking with their children about religious matters as part of their, uh, sorry, I, I messed up that quote. Let's not worry about that. But anyhow, um, and so um, basically, parents just in very simple <coughs> ways uh, integrating spiritual truths and the promises of God um, into ordinary conversations. It has massive influence over kids' long-term discipleship. And so that's why, that's part of why we have this class. That's also why I'm doing this confident faith study, uh, which uh, there are a bazillion, a lot of y'all are in, but a bazillion people are doing, um, is so that parents just feel comfortable talking about scripture or talking about the promises of God or the grace of God with their kids. And so, and these are like basic things like, uh, you know, your child is hypothetically having a meltdown on the way to school because we're going to be a little bit late because we couldn't find our homework and they're spiraling because they've got a quiz or a test first period and you say like, hey, look, this is not a surprise to God. God's, you know, God's got a plan for your whole life and he's got a plan for today. I promise you his plan for today is bigger than us being five minutes late to school. Something like that goes a long way with kids. All right. So let's, uh, let's land the plane here, and we're going to look at, with the uh, eight minutes we have left, um, we're going to look at parenting style and the, how parenting style influences kids' uh, lifelong faith. And so basically, this is a good place to end because if we get really afraid and try to control everything, that actually has, is counterproductive in terms of our kids' lifelong faith. And if we get overwhelmed and just totally withdraw um, and are not engaged, that has negative outcomes too. And so um, this, is, this, is not, this is not new. A lot of y'all have probably heard this, but these four different parenting styles um, that are labeled. So there's an authoritarian parenting style. Authoritarian parenting style is when, uh, and, and by the way, these, these, these parenting styles have to do with the presence of like warmth and connection with a child and the presence of like discipline and structure and like expectations of acting like a decent human being. Um, and so the authoritarian parenting style is all discipline without any warmth and connection. Uh, and so, you know, we all kind of know the stereotype of the parent who's like uh, lots of rules, they're very rigorous, hard on the kids, um, order, 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 but they like don't know their children, you know, and they're, they're, not, they're not kind and affectionate and sweet and affirming to their kids. So that's the authoritarian parenting style. Um, permissive parenting is where there's lots of connection and warmth, but there's like no structure and discipline. And so basically a lot of, a lot of what's going on with the permissive parenting style is that the parent is trying to avoid contact conflict and the parent wants to be the kid's buddy and so um so what you find is and sorry and then finally and then you have not engaged which honestly like this is not anybody in this room because by virtue of the fact that you're here um <laughs> this is when this is when like you're like there's no discipline there's no like input uh in, into your child's life and there's no presence there's no warmth there's no connection at all 
And so what you find is that basically, uh, and sorry, and then finally, authoritarian, authoritative is kind of the ideal. It's the ideal where you do, like you do discipline your kids. Like you do kind of, you do have structure. You, you do correct them um, when they're acting the fool. <laughs> um, so you have that, right? But you also, in the midst of that, also have warmth and a connection and you relationally know your child. And so that's what we're going for is this, you know, presence of discipline and, you know, holding your kids accountable while also being warm and affectionate and connected. And so what you see in this research is that uh, in authoritarian and permissive households, the kids are less likely to adopt the parents' faith. They're less likely, you know, at whatever level the parents may be, however important the, the, the parents' faith is, that the kids are less likely um, to adopt that. You find in the not engaged, like, parents has no, no influence over their kids at all. And then finally, though, in the authoritative parenting style, no matter how, like, the, parent, the children are way, way, way more likely to, um, to adopt the direction that the parent that the parents are leading the child. That goes and that goes both ways. You find that the parents are not religious at all. If they're anti-religious, highly likely that the kids are going to be not religious at all or anti-religious. And you find that the parents are highly religious, like very serious about their faith, that the kids are very likely to follow them. And so basically what you see is that an authoritative parenting style where there's discipline and warmth, basically a parent builds credibility, trust, and respect with their kids. And generally, the kids um, on, uh, primarily follow by the example of the parents. They're like, huh, I kind of want to be like mom and dad in a sense. And so, um, so I've thrown out so much information here in a very short period of time. Here's where I want to land the plane. And that is um, because, I, like I said, there are all these temptations when we hear research like this to walk out and like, okay, we are going to have a religious conversation every day, and we are going to, all right, praying on the way home, praying on the way home, and turn on the Christian radio, 93.7, here we go. Um, don't do that to your kids, no, just kidding. Anyhow, um, no, uh, yeah, to, to do that, um, or to just like totally be overwhelmed, oh, we failed, no, none of that. But basically, like, how is it that we do try to like follow what Scripture and just good wisdom teach us, but do it in a way where we're not the authoritarian micromanaging parent because kids can feel that, right? I mean, we all kind of know that from our own, our own experiences in the home. Um, but, but basically, uh, the, the, the starting point for this authoritative parenting style where we do disciple our kids, like we do respond without control and fear, is it first starts with the character of God. Um, we see that the Lord is just and holy, and the Lord is also kind and loving. Like the Lord is just, like he is a God of order. He is a God of structure. We look at the way that he makes the world. We look at the way that he directs Noah to build the ark. Um, and he disciplines us as a loving father. It says in Hebrews 12, endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, 
then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us, they disciplined us for a little while as though they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Like, that's part of how God relates to us as his children, is that God disciplines us, you know? Praise God. When we've had moments where we were going in a bad direction, that the Lord let us bottom out as a matter of teaching us. When we hear this word discipline, I think we just think about, like, spankings and timeout and that kind of stuff. Discipline in the biblical sense means there is, a, there is an element of, like, correction, but it's, discipline has a broader connotation of instruction, um, of, of holistic instruction. And so, um, and so with that being said, oh, and then we see in the Bible that when you look at the content of what the Bible says about parenting, discipline is talked about probably more than any other thing, but discipline in a loving and kind way. So we see the Lord is, is, is just, we see the Lord is just and ordered and he, he disciplines us, but we also see that the Lord is loving and kind. First uh, John three, uh, see what great behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. Um, Romans eight, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is you know a very affectionate, intimate term that you like, Daddy. That's the connotation of it. So it conveys this level of intimacy that God has with us as a, a parent who's very connected to us, very engaged, and knows us perfectly in a, in a very kind and gentle way. Um, you look at the way that is, there's kind of like a, a maternal um, uh, maternal quality ascribed to the Lord. It says in, in Luke 13, 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city, that what happened to the cut and paste? That um, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. So you see a lot of language in, in scripture of like us being gathered under the wing of God. And that's kind of like a maternal ascription to the Lord of like a, a hen or a bird um, kind of coddles and cares and protects their children. And so, um, so with that being said, um, to kind of land the plane, yeah, got to land the plane because we're out of time. Uh, I think the key to, you know, we want to be faithful. We want to, you know, kind of, we'd like to be regular church attendants. We'd like to talk about uh, God's grace with our kids. We would like to have Christian practice in our home. And um, the way we do that with a proper tone um, is not out of fear and control. And uh, the, the keys to protecting ourselves from that tone approach are first, not looking to justify our kids through ourselves. Uh, our kids cannot be an object of our control. Our kids cannot be a referendum on our parenting, on our quality of parenting. If we view our kids in that way, um, it is, uh, we, we objectify them. And it just is not going to go well. Objectification in a relationship never goes well. Third is, I think a lot of times as parents, we can lose sight of the big picture. We can get so caught up in the activities, 
and the schedules and the perfect birthday party and all these kind of things that where we just kind of get brought into this vortex um, where we lose sight of uh, this is my child and what really matters here is that you know that they're seen and they're cared for and they're known and if the schedule and the perfect Christmas and those kind of things doesn't happen that's secondary relative to them knowing that I see them and I love them and that I'm with them. Uh, and then a th- the last thing is just not trusting the Lord. This is the biggest thing. The Probably the single biggest, best thing we can do for our, for our children is for us to remind ourselves that our kids do not belong to us. Like our children belong to God. And, um, and yeah, like we have a role, but we don't have ultimate responsibility for our kids. Like we cannot save our children. We cannot make our children perfect people. Uh, that, that, obviously, that ship has sailed a long time ago. Um, but instead, our question is, what is my role and what does it look like to be faithful? Because God is the one who has ultimate responsibility. God, it's between our, our child and God. And so that, I think more than anything, enables us to approach our children spiritually, to disciple our children with our, with our hands open. Um, and not like this, but like this. So I'm going to pray. If anybody wants to chitty chat, I'm happy to hang out. Thanks for being here. And I'm so sorry that this was an absolute avalanche of information. <laughs> um, dear God, uh, we do thank you that you're a perfect, loving parents. And just, I, I just, Lord, for all of us, we hand over into your hands the, um, the lives of our children and protect us from fear. Give us confidence in your goodness, your love, and your sovereignty to know that you love and know our kids better than we do. And um, in that knowledge, help us to, to walk in peace and in hope. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.